Oh, man. Honestly, I'm so thankful to be together after six months, to all be together in one space. I am thankful, though, that we have been the church for all six months, that every moment of this, our 25 home churches have been meeting together, opening up the Word of God, praying over each other. I'm so thankful that we weren't just watching live streams, but that we were able all of this time to check in on each other's hearts, to hear where people were sad, grieving, losing, facing things together. I'm thankful for every single one of our home churches. And I think before we go any further, I just want to ask those who have been leading our home churches or have been our regional leaders who have been pastoring their hearts through all these six months, would you guys please stand so we can give you just a huge round of applause. Let's stand all of our home church leaders, regional team leaders. Please stay standing. Thank you for being the church. Thank you for leading the church. Your lives are powerful in the kingdom of God. You are the shepherds of the Father's family. Let's just reach a hand out to these guys and let's bless them. Lord, thank you for the leaders of the church. Thank you for every home church, your ecclesia, a prayerful family on mission following Jesus in all of life. Thank you for their tears, their prayers, their long hours of listening, for all of their sacrificial love. We know that community reads romantically, but it lives sacrificially. They are those who have shared the gospel. They are those who have served and modeled the way of Jesus. Thank you for the leaders of the church of Jesus Christ. We bless you for fresh strength and life and courage and boldness to walk in the ways of the Lord. Thank you for the leaders of the church. Let's give them one more round of applause. Thank you guys so much. As I've reflected on uh, 15 years, I mean, it's been my whole adult life. <laughs> I was 12 when I started the church with my friends. No. If I looked like I was 12, some people still think I do. 24 years old, we started this silly thing. And literally the only reason we're still around, we would have totally train wrecked this thing, is we had mothers and fathers who loved us more than anything we could produce and kicked our butts over and over and saved us from sure closing. They loved us so well. And man, I was reflecting back on all the deep moments of being with people in their, their, their hardest places. Reflecting on all of Blackwell's craziness. <laughs> reflecting, amen, can I get an amen? Reflecting on the parties and the fun that is just countless reflecting on so many moments of hearing Jesus and doing whatever crazy thing Jesus said to do. 
reflecting on moments of the presence of God where you thought heaven was ripping open the roof and nobody could stand up. They just laid before the Lord in his presence. And just thinking about those 15 years filled me with not some crazy outlandish cry, but just simple gratitude. Just a cascading warmth of the Father's smile. Just thank you, God. Thank you for who you have been to us. Really only two things have totally mattered, and that is Jesus. We started around a pillar with Jesus at the center, and we called it the Jesus pillar, and we just said, Jesus, always be at the center. I don't think we understood what it would mean to make Jesus the leader of this church. I love a quote from Philip Yancey. He says, two words that could never describe the Jesus of the Gospels, boring and predictable. Jesus has over and over challenged us at the deepest level to go beyond our comfort zones. I love Jesus so much. I love him because I've seen him in your life. I've seen him in ways that I never imagined. He has asked us to follow him far beyond our comfort zone. Hence the last two years following a cloud, doing whatever he asked us to do. Jesus is alive. I did not sign up for a life that I could live, but one that only God could live through us. And Jesus is living and he's moving and he is working and he is calling us deeper into his own life. And the other thing that hasn't changed all these years, we've been in and out of buildings, but the thing that hasn't changed is his people. Jesus and his people. Following him together is all I want to do for the rest of my life. When we stand before him someday, it's going to be Jesus and his people. Nothing else, that's what matters. Can you imagine what those first people felt like when he just said, follow me? I asked David at the top of the driveway the other day, what's harder, to follow Jesus in the flesh every day or to somehow follow him? He's just as real, but he lives inside of us. And I was like, both seem just so radical. I don't know which is harder. To follow Jesus together is the calling of our lives. And I think he's taking us deeper than we ever imagined. Nava means to bring home and make beautiful. We've learned to come to rest in him. He is our home, the one who makes us beautiful. We've opened our lives to his presence. We've sacrificed everything to follow him. He is our life. His love calls us to be at home with him. Bring home, make beautiful is what we do with one another. We've learned to make room for those who aren't like us, to forgive one another, to make a place of family where we bring home and we make beautiful with one another. But we've turned our lives outward in the love of Jesus to bring home and make beautiful a world that is hurting and lost and broken. And we will follow Jesus to those who aren't at home right now, whose lives don't feel beautiful, but feel broken. This is the call of following Jesus together.
When I was thinking about this 15 year, our team began to pray and God kind of put something on our heart that at first didn't make sense to us, but started to make more sense to me. Someone who in my life has come in, who I've been building friendship with, who has really showed me what does this life look like of following Jesus, came into our minds as we were praying. And my dear friend, Jonathan Thomas, who I'm going to welcome to share with us here. At first, we were like, that doesn't make sense. Like, why are we having Jonathan Thomas come in our 15 year? And we just felt the Lord say, because he has shown the way of following Jesus. And he has a word in his life to call us to follow Jesus together. And so someone who's personally challenged me to go deeper and deeper with Jesus, we felt to invite and to speak to us as a Nava family on our 15 year. And so would you give Jonathan Thomas a huge round of applause. We want to welcome him to come and share with us this morning. JT has become a dear friend, but he's also a hero of the faith to me. He's someone who's giving his life in the heart of Ferguson, right outside of St. Louis. And he's inspiring me deeply of what it can look like to be a prayerful family on mission. I want to just give thanks. The team of civil righteousness is here. Would you guys give a wave? We want to just welcome these guys. They've driven from all over St. Louis, Michigan. Some of them are spread around. We're thankful to have them here. Let's just open our hearts. I want to pray for JT this morning as he shares with us. Lord, we're asking for a word that is on your heart. This family means everything to me. This city that you've placed us in means everything to me. And I thank you that you've brought a messenger, someone who's a friend of God, who carries your word. And so we bless JT today, and we bless every one of us to have hearts to hear whatever the Spirit wants to say to us on this 15-year celebration. Happy birthday, Nava. Amen. Amen. Can we bless God for Adam and Julie Cox? Can we just praise God? Wow. Oh, I know y'all got a little bit more praise in your heart. We're praising Jesus, but we're thankful. Wow. Listen, I am so deeply, deeply humbled and honored to stand before you this morning on such a historic day, a day that I believe in the very beginning, Jesus stood with the Father, hovering over the waters with the power of the Holy Spirit, and they spoke and they, they dreamed of this moment. And all the lineages and all the battles fought and all the, the victories won and all the failures and all the tears that it took to get you into this seat under this pavilion on this day. We win just by showing up. So I've just been so blessed this morning in the worship and the cool breeze blowing underneath the trees. I thought of how God has so in his infinite wisdom, in his superior ways, in his, his knowledge, he, he brought us back to the basics. And I thought of my friends who though in a different time zone, have been worshiping under the trees, the church under the trees in Kenya. And I thought about how we're under the trees. 
And we're outside and we're singing a song. And I thought of how all of the stories of human history, the journey of life, this following Jesus in the desert and through the wilderness places, following Jesus through the swamplands out of Louisiana, up to Canada, through the Underground Railroad. My ancestors, they followed Jesus and they had a song. I'm going to teach you one of the songs. See, my great, great grandparents were slaves and my great grandparents were the sons and daughters of slaves and so they were preachers of the gospel they were teachers of the way and they never began a sermon without a song Walk with me, Lord. Walk with me. Walk with me, Lord. Walk with me. And while I'm on this tedious journey I need Jesus to walk with me let me hear the guys go I can't hear you Nava Let me hear the go the ladies. Oh, 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 guys. Walk with me, Lord. Keep going. Walk with me. Walk with me, Lord. Walk with me. While I'm on this tedious journey. I need you, Lord, to walk with me. Okay, come on, somebody. Give yourselves a round of applause. Y'all sound good, Nava Church. I stretched you a little bit. Hey, that's how we do it. That's how we grow. You got you to gotta be flexible so you don't break. <laughs> Whenever we sing songs like that in the church that I grew up in, the Missionary Baptist Church in the Deep South, these songs all have a cadence and a rhythm. They have a, a sound and a frequency. And it was a, a cadence that came from heaven out of a place of lament. It came out of a place of brokenness. But yet God in his faithfulness gave to the African diaspora a supernatural technology in the song of the Lord. Yes. 
There's a tempo, a structure, and a rhythm, and everybody has a voice. Even in here, the ladies had a voice. The men had a voice. There was a tone and a sound, and everybody had something to contribute. If you could not sing, they would say, even if I can't say a word, I'll just wave my hands. And so you had an offering to bring to the Lord. It was an offering or a clap or a stomp. There's something inside of you that when we gather together in in a moment like this, no one doesn't contribute every Everybody has something to contribute to the sound that God is after in the earth. And I'm here today not to waste your time or my time or just to have a good message, but I'm here to raise an offering because there's something of a sound that God is after in Kansas City. And he's asking you, Nava, will you release the sound? Now, if I'm yelling and this is a little out of your tradition or your understanding, I'm not mad at you, okay? I'm just a little passionate. But in this sound, there was, a, there was always room for innovation. And so we said, walk with me. And, and that walk with me is not just a good idea. It, it's, a, it's a cry of intercession. God, I cannot go without you. It's in the spirit of Moses. Oh, God, show me your glory. I cannot move without you. Elijah, he even prayed, God, I cannot go and prophesy unless you are with me. And so then we would modify that, Lord, from walk with me to talk with me. Talk with me, Lord Jesus. Talk with me. While I'm on this tedious journey, talk with me. And this this idea of God talking to his people led me to Jeremiah 37, starting at verse 11. And it happened when the army of the Chaldeans had left the siege of Jerusalem for fear of Pharaoh's army that Jeremiah went out of Jerusalem to go into the land of Benjamin to claim his property there among the people. You have to understand, uh, there's an army encamped around Jerusalem. In fact, if we read the Bible, we almost have to ask the question, when was there not an army encamped around Jerusalem? So there's trouble in the land, there's fear, there's, there's, there's a crisis in the land. Jeremiah knows that the Chaldeans are going to come. And, uh, and so people are wavering between two opinions in the nation. They're going, do we go and join the Chaldeans or do we stay here and do we fight? We don't know. Like, it's almost like we might be in an election year. It's almost like there is two competing ideologies in the land and we don't know which way to go. Which one is the godly response? Which way do we stand? And it says, when he was in the gate of Benjamin, a captain of the guard was there whose name was Erijah, the son of Shelemiah, the son of Hananiah. And he sees Jeremiah, the prophet saying, you are defecting to the Chaldeans. And Jeremiah said, false. I am not defecting to the Chaldeans. He had to go through the land that was under Chaldean control to get back to his property, to get his stuff. And just because he passed through the camp of those who were of a different ideological camp than him, a spirit of accusation rose up. They seized him and they said, you're defecting. You're not a Christian anymore. You're not a prophet of God anymore. You're an enemy of God because you're passing through the people who believe differently than you. I wish somebody heard what I was just saying this morning. 
I'm sorry, I'm just used to a little bit of an amen. I, I, don't, I don't need your witness because I got the witness of the Holy Spirit, but I like it. <laughs> I like it when I hear a little amen. So, so, so there is a spirit of accusation in the land. How many of you know that sometimes your passion for justice or your passion for whatever position you have, Satan can get in your mouth and you can operate in the spirit of the accuser? Come on, Nava Church, don't let, don't let your political passions or your sociological passions get Satan in your mouth. There's a spirit of accusation in the land. But he did not listen to him. I could, can't write there, Pastor. But he did not listen to him. So Arijah seized Jeremiah and brought him to the princes, and the princes were angry with Jeremiah. They struck him. They put him in prison uh, in the house of Jonathan the scribe. They, they had made, for they had made that the prison. When Jeremiah entered the, dun the dungeon and the cells, and Jeremiah had re remained there any many days, Zedekiah the king sent and took him out. And the king asked him secretly in his house, so the king comes to Jonathan's house, which they had kind of made this temporary prison. Jeremiah is in the prison. The king clandestinely comes and he says, Jeremiah, in verse 17, is there any word from the Lord? And Jeremiah said, there is. Come on, somebody say, there is. I hear a resounding question arising from the streets of America, arising from the corridors of power in America, from the kings and the princes. There is trouble in the land. There is a spirit of accusation in the land. And I hear the nations saying, Nava Church, is there any word from the Lord? Is there any word from the Lord? In the midst of these times of peril, the nations sound like what the nations have always sounded like. They're asking, where is the God of Elijah? Is there anyone with a word from the Lord? And the present answer, which you just answered, is resoundingly, there is. In fact, Isaiah the prophet resounded and, and bore witness to this fact in Isaiah 40 by saying that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God endures forever. Why? Why does the word of God endure? Because the word of God is not a good idea. The word of God is a person. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh. And that Word dwelt among us. And we, we were singing about him this morning. I was getting teary. It says, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and of truth. 
fact, my great-grandma's favorite song was, We shall behold him. We shall behold him face to face in all of his glory. There's something about a people made to behold the incarnate word. I'm here this morning because I said to the father, I said, is there any word from the Lord for Nava church? And I wrestled with God. Adam invited me over a month ago. I would have, it would, I would have loved it if he had just gave me five points a month ago. But I'm wrestling all week this week. I'm wrestling all day yesterday. I'm wrestling all night. I said, God, I don't feel like I have a word. And he interrupted me as I'm ironing my shirt. Black folk iron their clothes. We don't wear wrinkles, just so y'all know. Don't you step out on a stage with wrinkles on your shirt. My daddy always told me there were two things that a black brother cannot afford to do. You cannot afford to stand up in front of people with dirty shoes on and ashy hands and be expected to be taken seriously. Like, but it, you, brother, you better put on some lotion. <laughs> Clean those shoes. They will not take you seriously. Anyway, sorry. I, I thank God for my daddy. No, side note, side note. I could, it doesn't matter what I do or where I go. I could call my dad. Hey, dad, I, uh, this amazing opportunity opened up. I'm going to be speaking in, at this conference. There'll be 50,000 people there, blah, 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 blah. He doesn't even care. He's the, his first question, what are you wearing, son? <laughs> now, now, what kind of shoes are you wearing? Did you get your hair cut, bro? <laughs> Look, we need some good fathers, don't we? The Lord interrupted me when I said, is there any word for Nava? And he says, Nava is a word. Nava is a word from the Lord to the church. He says, Nava is a witness. In Acts 17, it, we're encouraged that in all the generations gone by, he permitted the nations to go their own ways. And yet, in verse 17 of Acts 17, it says, yet he did not leave himself without a witness. In that he did good, and he gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. And this morning, I'm going to speak very candidly, but also simply. Because I know there's a lot of smart people in this room. I've never heard Adam preach very much. I haven't heard very much, but I know he's a super smart guy. Dave, I, I love hanging out with the Blackwells. I mean, amazingly smart people. But, but there was something about my ancestral faith, my ancestors' faith, that was so simple, so basic. Uneducated slaves carried a deep heart-level revelation of, of the Godhead and of the beauty of Jesus and the coming kingdom and the justice that comes with it. And I heard the Lord say this to you simply. The first thing is he says, embrace the simplicity. 
He's getting us back to the basics and in his goodness and in his kindness towards you, he, he foresaw and foreknew what was coming in 2020. And he said, you know what? Sell your building, get back to the basis, get, get in your homes and start worshiping under the trees again. And he's asking you a question this morning for the next 15 years in the next 30 years in the next 60 years if Jesus doesn't return by by then there's a question that I hear the Holy Spirit asking that you have to answer in your heart with a yes as a church he's saying will you be a people that Jesus can walk with walk with me Lord okay okay will you be a people that I can walk with Talk with me, Lord, talk with me. Will you be a people that I can talk with? You see, there are very difficult days ahead. But as we see in Acts 17, he's faithful not to leave, not only us individually, but to leave the nation without a witness. And he says, see, I have set a witness in Kansas City. The Israelites received what they needed in the desert as a nomadic people daily. And there's something you have to understand about the type of witness that he's raising up in Nava Church right now. The type of witness that he's looking for in the body of Christ in the earth right now. And what he's doing is he is confounding our wisdom. He is, he is resisting our plans. He's resisting our comfort. He's resisting what we've known and what we can ascribe to what we can build. And he's creating a reality of pure discipleship. You see, when Jesus recruited the disciples, did they, did, you know, if, if Jesus came and he recruited a disciple in America today and you're out fishing, you know, what our response would be, would be, well, God, you said drop my net and follow you, but I need an agenda. I have a plan right now. So, so tell me, where are we going? What time do you expect us to arrive there? Um, what exactly are we doing? Like, I want to follow, but I've got a few things to do, and I really need to calendar this thing out. And God sends and allows an unseen uh, infection, an unseen viral agent, something we can't even see, to cripple your plans. Y'all can't even make plans for vacation next month. You don't know what next month looks like. I wish, do y'all understand what I'm saying? So God disrupts our ability to project and to protect our own kind of agendas. And he inserts us back into the original discipleship culture, which is Jesus would heal somebody and then say, okay, follow me. Okay, yeah, I, I, I'll email you next week. We'll get with my secretary. We'll set it up. We'll figure out when I can start following. No, 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 no. You get healed, you get baptized, and you follow, and you go where Jesus wants you to go. You do what he wants you to do when he wants you to do it. But the church has been a cruise ship with our own itinerary. 
We know what port we're going to dock at. We're going to go do missions here, and we're going to stay there for three days, and we're going to build two houses. Then we're going to go to the next place, and we're going to do mission here. And then what we're going to do is we're going to establish a little business right there, and we're going to do this. And God going, no, 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 stop the presses. I'm raising up a witness. And that witness will be utter dependence upon me. That witness means you have to depend, you have to wrestle, you have to lean into me for your very sustenance, the very manna that you need. Just because you had a victory and a word yesterday does not guarantee you have a word today. You cannot live off of yesterday's victories. You cannot live off of what you've learned for 15 years. It's just the beginning. You're still in that place and God is saying, walk with me and let me walk with you. It shall be in Exodus 14, Moses, the Lord says to him, I will rain bread from heaven for you. The people will go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. There's a certain quota that God allows you to have every day, but he also tests you in what you gather to see if you'll cling to what you have or if you'll trust him in the next moment. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. I believe that there's a sixth day for Nava Church. I believe that in the following, there are days and rhythms in God where he allows you to gather more than what you need for that day. But there's, trust me, there's a test with that. And that test is the test of rest. And your obedience in this hour, your obedience in this hour, which again, I want to commend you for your obedience from the Lord. I commend you from the house of Jacob, from the house of the God of Jacob, for your obedience in this season as you've been almost like Israel, like a nomadic people, and you've been, the, the father is pleased, but he says your obedience in this hour is the proof of your faith. And your obedience is the portal to your provision. Is anybody with me right now? Your obedience is the proof of your faith and the portal to your provision. I'm here to tell you, I wish I could say, peace, peace, everything's going to be all right. I can speak those things which aren't as though they are in faith, but I'm here to tell you, there are tough, tough days ahead for America. If Trump wins, terrible days. If Biden wins, terrible days. You cannot believe the report of this world. You must believe the report of, this, of, of the Lord. There is no king but Jesus, and power belongs to God. So he is looking for a people that he can walk with who trust in his daily bread, who have the ear to hear and the eyes to see what he's saying and what he's doing and a heart of obedience that goes where he's going. I know I'm yelling. Let me use my lower register. You see, 
Zedekiah asked Jeremiah for the word from the Lord in the time of trouble. And in the days ahead and in the days that we're in, America needs a word from the Lord. But see, the word doesn't stay just this thought spoken. The word becomes flesh. And so they need the word manifested, incarnated in a spiritual community. They need to see the word. And it's not just, hey, we got something to say. No, it's we have the showbread. We got something to show. In Missouri, the show me state. And Jeremiah, Zedekiah then commands that they put Jeremiah, because Jeremiah was obedient to the word. He said, there is a word. And then he told him, guess what the word is? You will be captured by the king of Babylon. No, that's not the word I wanted to hear. Well, you shouldn't ask me because I'm going to tell you what the word is. So then he goes back to prison, but the king says this, give him daily a piece of bread from the Baker Street until all the bread in the city was gone. Thus Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. Even in the prison, God the Father, because of his obedience, made sure he was provided for. He got a piece of bread. Are we so afraid of going to the prison that we deny the word of the Lord? Or do you worship the Jesus that even in prison provides you with bread? Are you willing, Nava Church, to be a prophetic people that is so endeared and so aligned with the heart of God that you will do and say whatever he tells you to do and say, no matter what the cost, no matter what your loss may be, he is my daily bread. See, your obedience is the primary process of your purification. And so in 1 Peter 1, he says in verse 22, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Is there any word from the Lord? He says, if you obey the word of the truth, you purify your soul. What we see playing out in the streets of America, what we see playing out in the legislation of America, what we have seen play out in the history of America, in the history of the nations, is a people whose souls have not been purified by the word of God. And therefore, legislation and, and demonstration and all of the, the isms that, that cause the schisms of the nations have proceeded from the, the, the darkness of our souls. But God says, I'm looking to raise up a multi-ethnic, multicultural people in the nations of the earth who've had their souls purified through the process of obedience. So you must not forsake the pursuit of a pure heart. And as you seek to fervently love one another, in this community, I believe that God is going to add to you add to your diligence, faith, and virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. 
to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. As I close, I'm going to leave you with two more challenges. You must increase in the anointing of seeing and hearing. You must increase in the anointing of seeing and hearing. And even as we were worshiping this morning and as my brother, Pastor Marvin, was beginning to release a prophetic word, he talked about, I heard him use the word demonstration. Even now, as our nation is being filled with protests or another word for protests are public demonstrations. I believe that God actually wants to open a portal over your homes and your houses, and he's going to release a, a, a new realm of prophetic revelation, dreams and visions, angelic encounters. And this might sound weird to some of you. You've never engaged in the realm of the spirit like you're about to, but you must increase in the realm of seeing and hearing. For it will be your place of protection in the, in the days ahead. And it will be your place of provision in the days ahead. And God will take you from that secret place of encounter. And you must become a public demonstration of brotherly love. Is there any word from the Lord? And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in, a dark, in the dark place. First Peter, second Peter one says until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation for prophecy never came by the will of man, but Holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. God is saying, come to him, Nava Church, as to a living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house. Nava Church is a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are a chosen generation, a holy priesthood, a special Nation, God's own people, that you may proclaim him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were a people who had once not obtained mercy, but now great mercy and grace has been shown upon you. And of that grace, we partake and we sup right now. I just want to pray if you would stand with me. Father of glory, I thank you for this house, this household of the faith at Kansas City. And I ask, Lord, that you would walk among the lampstand at Nava Church and you would find a people that you desire to dwell among. You would hold their hand. You've done it. You've been doing it for 50, 15 years, but God, we're asking for an increase in your presence. God, I ask for tangible glory, God, I pray. I pray that this would be a place where a young man or a young woman can find deliverance, Lord.
I pray that these people would be a people where a hurting generation would say, this is a safe place. God, I ask right now, I ask, Lord, for a spirit of adoption. And, Lord, as, a, as an African-American man, Lord, I'm asking now, Lord, even as Adam has groaned, Lord, he's groaned, he's shed tears. God, in serving even the communities that do not look like him, I ask, would you give this house spiritual sons and daughters out of every tribe and every tongue and every nation? God, let this Sunday be a, a demarcation line even now. God, that you would raise up a witness of John 17 unity. God, John 17 uh, and first and second Peter brotherly love, Lord, in this community like never before. God, that they would speak a word to a nation. God, that they would stand and confront the prophets of Baal and they would say, our God is the God who answers by fire. Would you set fire on the altar of Nava Church in Jesus' name? And we trust you. And we thank you for being Emmanuel, God with us as we walk along this tedious journey. Lord, loose divine grace. I ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Let the winds of revelation blow. In Jesus' name. Let's, let's not leave this moment when you hear the word of the Lord you're accountable to it in the grace of God not in your own strength there's a word that has been spoken to us but the invitation is Nava. Will you let that word become flesh in your life? We have heard the word of the Lord, but will we let the word of God become flesh? Our name Nava, it means to bring home and make beautiful. In your own individual life, this is the first invitation. Will you let Jesus be at home in your life? A zero resistance home where he is the Lord of your thoughts, your soul, your feelings, your decisions, and your choices. Can Jesus bring home and can he be at home and be made beautiful in your own life? If you would like this, I want you physically to take your hands and put it over your heart. Say, Nava me, God. Bring, just begin to say, bring home and make beautiful in my life. Speak this. Invite Jesus to become flesh in your life. You can do whatever you want in my life. Be at rest in my life. I want to abide in you. I only want to do what I see you do. I only want to say what I hear you say. Be the Lord of me. Let's say it together. Bring home, make beautiful. Will you allow him to become flesh? Whatever he wants to do, it's scary. It's real. But oh, it's the best life we could live. If you would lose your life, you could truly find it. The next movement 
of Nava is amongst one another. Not just the love of God, to love God and be loved by God, to be the sons and daughters of the Father, but to love one another. Let's put our hands out like this. And we say to one another, love makes room. Will we bring home and make beautiful with one another? This body is going to increasingly look different as we live the way of Jesus like the Beatitudes. He was anointed for the poor and the oppressed. He was a reconciler of ethnic peoples. He made peace where there was no peace. He was at the table of those called sinners, left out of the religious establishment. Love makes room. It loves those across partisan party lines. We are standing in a time of polarization and division. We will not let the enemy divide this church. We will bring home and we will make beautiful at our tables, at our everyday lives, in our workplaces, with one another in the church. The next movement is to put our hands out to one another, to look around, look at the people around you, and decide in your heart, I will not be offended. I will not unfriend you on Facebook, and even worse, unfellowship you over political matters. I will not live with idolatry in my heart. I will love and I will forgive as Jesus has loved and forgiven me. So let's say if this is in your heart to let Jesus be the Lord of our fellowship. I want to say this too. Devotion is a devotion that we choose when we feel it or don't feel it. Let us not stop meeting together. The fellowship of the saints actually being committed to show up so the glory of God in your life can be manifest with the ones around you at home church. To make it a devotion, not an option. The more that things shake, the more we will need one another. And so we say to one another as we look around, bring home, make beautiful. Look at each other. Let's say it to one another. Bring home, make beautiful. Okay, the last movement requires movement. We are not going to be able to stay cozy in our rows, in our seats. We are going to have to go to the places Jesus wants to go, into the parts of the city Jesus wants to go. There will be no place that Nava says, that place is too dangerous. That place has too much crime. That place is too poor. That place, they don't speak the same language as me. So this one is going to require us to do what we did at the very beginning, to actually move. I want us to form a circle, starting here all the way around, socially distant. So figure it out, self-organize, because it's going to take the movement of the Spirit to self-organize us all around the regions of the city. Let's make one huge socially distant circle all the way around. You might have to go out of this place. We're going to stand all the way around in a circle. I didn't want to be in the center of the circle, Jesus says, but okay, that's, this is how we're doing it. Okay. Can everyone still hear me? All right. We've been used to being comfortable. We've been used to, to being together, but now we're out in the elements. We're outside of the structure. God has led us prophetically. We do not live for ourselves, but we live for Jesus. So I want us to turn around and I want us to face outward in every direction and extend our arms 
Because the last movement of the Spirit is the bring home, make beautiful for the lost and the alone. Those who don't know the gospel of Jesus. Those who don't know that he lived for them and he died for them and he raised for them. You are the missionaries of God. You are the bring home, make beautiful. We will be the prophetic word of the Father to a city. As you reach your hands out, you are committing your life to go wherever Jesus leads you, whether to the wealthy or to the poor, in your workplace and in your neighborhood. Just begin to pray over the city out of your heart. Begin to cry out, bring home, make beautiful. This is the work of the Spirit. Begin to cry out over the neighborhoods, the east side, the west side, the north, the south, over every people group. Bring home, make beautiful. We pray, bring home, make beautiful across this city, Father, in every direction. The Lord might even start to show you a people in your mind that he is calling your home church to, that he is calling you to. Let him bring names and faces and peoples. Lord, we don't want to look the same at our next birthday. We're asking you to lead us, Jesus, to the peoples of the city. If this is in your heart, let's say at one time, bring home, make beautiful. Let's turn back together and let's close with the Lord's Prayer like we always do. All the way around, we're still a circle, but we're making more room. We still commit that Jesus is at the center of the circle. We commit that our Lives are his, and we will follow Jesus together. We pray to one Father because we're one family. So let's pray the Lord's Prayer together all across this place. Let's actually pray it out with all of our hearts out loud. Let's yell it out and proclaim it to the Lord. Our Father.